Well, I'm going to date myself a little bit. For some of you, you'll say, Alan, you're really old. And for some of you, you'll say, Alan, you're really young. Uh, I'm a kid of the 90s. I was born in 1984. So my elementary, middle school, high school days uh, were in the 90s. And, and I, uh, I'm not really, a, Nathan and, and, and Robert and James and the rest of the, the staff know this about me. I am not a musical uh, person at all. I played the drums for, for three years in the middle school band because you had to do band, choir, or art. I didn't want to draw or paint or do pottery. Uh, I can't sing, so choir was not an option, so I picked percussion and did my fine art for three years, and that's all. Uh, So I don't really have a good taste in music. Uh, I liked a little bit of everything growing up, but particularly in the 90s as as I grew my faith, I liked like popular Christian music. The Newsboys, Audio Adrenaline, Jars of Clay, Third Day were some of my favorites, but one of my all-time favorites was DC Talk. Anybody ever heard of DC Talk? This is the only service that anybody's ever even heard of DC Talk. Uh, so this will, this will go a lot better in this service. So Jesus Freaks was like the popular song that like kind of made me fall in love with them. And then I went back to 1992 uh, and they had a song, Love is a Verb. And, and the hip way to spell love in 1992 was L-U-V. Uh, so when you go home, you want to look up this song on YouTube, type it in that way, L-U-V, love is a verb. And here's how the, the bridge and the chorus kind of went. It says, well, I'm not going to try to do it on beat or on key or anything like that, but <laughs> words come easy, but don't mean much when the words they're saying you can't put trust in. We're talking about love in a different light. And if we all learn to love, it will be just right. Love is a serious word. The word love, love is a verb. And I think that encapsulates probably what, what most of us who are believers, most of us who maybe grown up in the church, spent time in God's word, we would say, if we were asked just kind of a man on the street style interview, what is love? We would probably respond uh, with a number of different actions. Uh, you got a significant other, a spouse, a boyfriend, a girlfriend that you've told you love them, whatever that looks like for you, you're going to express that in action. It's going to be a verb. There's going to be some action behind that. Somebody that's a close friend of yours or a family member or a coworker, or somebody that, that you've, you've spent a lot of your time with and a lot of your life with, you're going to live out your love for them in action. But if we did the same kind of interview, maybe uh, leaving like maybe a secular concert or, a, or an Astros game, a group of people going in or coming out of the game or whatever in downtown Houston or milling around downtown Conroe in the middle of a busy work day and you ask them, what is love? I, I would say that probably the majority of the, the, the people of the world would say they would describe it in a, in a, in a series of, of expressions that love is something we feel, that, it, that it's a feeling that we have, that it's that some, some way we feel about something that's different than we feel about anything else. And that's, that's not a wrong way to describe love. Certainly as an action, it's not a wrong way to describe love. But today we're going to talk about how, how John, in, in his letter, First John, to a group of, of struggling churches, how he described the nature of God, not that God is loving, but that God is love. That at the very essence of who God is, love is at the center of that. Uh, the same way that we are made up of, of, of organs and bones and muscle and blood, blood vessels and all the things that make who we are physically, at the very nature of who God is, his makeup, love is at the very center of that. And because of that reality, I think that this morning you and I have to answer uh, one of maybe two different questions, depending on how we've interacted with God in our lives. And so uh, if you've got your Bibles, I want to look at 1 John chapter 4, 
uh, verses 8 through 10. We're going to look at some other scriptures too in just a minute. They'll all be on the screen as well. But 1 John chapter 4, verses 8 through 10 say this, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Some of your translations may say that he was the atonement or the atoning sacrifice or the sacrifice for our sins. And we've sung about that truth this morning that that what God did for us, and we're gonna talk about that more in just a minute I just want to explain that word to you before we continue here. And so he's got this, this, this letter that he's writing, John does, to this group of, of churches that, that are struggling with a group of, a smaller group of people who have left these churches uh, because they were believing something different than the truth about who Jesus is, the truth that we now know is God's word, this, this story and this belief that, that many had experienced in the person of Jesus Christ. There were some people uh, teaching heresy. And it was causing the, the early church and these believers in this time to, to essentially doubt that they were saved. And so John is, is showing them a, a picture of what it looks like, a reminder of what it looks like to know that they're saved. And he says, it's, it's because of who God is, his love for you and what he's done for you because of being love for you, uh, that your lives are different. And, and so that he's helping kind of, helping them separate and see what it means to be a true believer among these who were claiming to be true believers but were not really living that out and not really teaching that truth. Uh, in, this, in this verse, verse eight, he says, God is love. Previously in, in, in John chapter four, John's gospel, he writes that, that in John chapter four, verse 24, God is spirit. And then in first John chapter one, verse five, he writes, God is light. So this is the third phrase that we get from John about something significant and something powerful about the nature of God. If today's your first day with us, we've been doing this series, answering the question, who is God? Looking at the different attributes of God. And so you can go back to our website and and look at those other sermons and hear those other sermons about the different things that we're looking at. So today we're looking at the truth and the reality that God is love. And this morning I'm here to to say uh, that I feel like whether a person knows God or not, Uh, Whether a person believes in God or not, God shows everyone that he is love. So then how do we, how have you and I, how do we in our our present day and how will we into the future experience the phrase, God is love? That essence of who he is, how will we experience that in our lives? Scripture is full of examples of that. Uh, We don't have enough time this morning to to unpack all of them, so I want to highlight uh, six of them that I really feel like are, are really powerful uh, for us this morning. And the first one is this, we experience God as love when God shows us mercy. Psalm chapter 145, verse nine, David pins this part of the Psalm and he says, the Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. Think about that. Think about who's writing that. Think about what they experienced. King David slayed Goliath had somebody murdered, cheated on his wife, had all kinds of terrible consequences in his life, and yet here he is writing toward the end of the Psalms, the Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. Not the Lord is, is, is merciful, is good to those that obey him, to those that believe in him, to those that are faithful, 
to those that go to church on Sunday morning, to those that also come back on Wednesday night. No, God is faithful and good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. And then further, David writes a few verses later in verses 15 and 16 that God provides for us. He writes this, the eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. So not only has God shown us mercy, not only is he continuing to show us mercy, and when I I use the word us, I'm not talking about just the people sitting in this room or talking about those that are listening online, but all people, all of God's creation, that, that God shows us mercy and he provides for us. The air we breathe, the food that we eat, the, the, the water we drink, those things that keep us and alive and give us life and help us to enjoy all that he has created for us. God has, has provided those things for us, but God goes even further than that. When things get tough, when things get difficult, when we make choices that are outside of God's will, and there's consequences for that. When others make choices that are outside of God's will and God's design for this world, and there are consequences that affect us and those around us for those things, big things, small things, God sustains us. That's the third thing that we see in Scripture, that God sustains us as a way of showing us that he is love. Luke writes this in Acts chapter 14, verse 17, yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. He's writing in a time when when the group of people who were the closest to Jesus are without him physically. Jesus has died on the cross. He's resurrected on the third day. He's ascended into heaven and the Holy Spirit descends on a group of believers at Pentecost and Peter preaches a sermon and thousands are saved and, and Luke's writing about this account in the Acts of the Apostles. And he says this, yet he did not leave himself without witness. He is sustaining the early church with the presence of the Holy Spirit and he sustains you and I today by God's presence in our lives and the power of the Holy Spirit providing for and sustaining us. And the next thing we see is that God shows kindness to us. You think, well, being kind, that's that's a simple word, but when you think about the way in which God shows kindness to the people of the world, listen to what Luke writes about this. And Jesus, recording Jesus's words here in Luke chapter six, verse 35, he says, Love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the most high for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Uh, Not he is kind uh, to your loving grandmother, not he is kind to your best friend who sticks with you no matter what, not he is kind to your kids that you have to love because they're your kids. He is kind to all of those people for sure, but he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Even those that, that put Jesus on the cross and even those that rejected him, he is kind to those. And so we are called to be kind as well to show that God is love. And the fifth thing we see is that God created and designed us. All the way back in Genesis chapter one, we see that God created us at the end of the creation story. He creates Adam and Eve. And on human beings, he placed his image. No other creation has the image of God stamped on them the way that you and I do. But all creation declares the glory of God. And Paul writes this in Romans chapter one, verse 20. He writes this about God. He says, his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world 
in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. They being those people who have never heard about God. They've never heard the truth of who God is. They, they even too can look out and see the creation of God and see uh, that God loves them even in that creation. And we are certainly reminded of that. One of the first verses we probably, if we've grown up in church, one of the first verses we probably memorized was, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We've heard about God's creation from the beginning and seen that on display time and time again. But, and again, I said this is not an exhaustive list, but just the last thing that we're gonna look at this morning about what God's word teaches us about how he shows us that he is love, I think is the most incredible and powerful display of, of that phrase, God is love in action. And that's this phrase, that God pursues us in our sinfulness. God pursues you, God has pursued me in my sinfulness. Now, there's not a person sitting in this room, there's not a person listening online that's perfect. Now, there's not a person that's ever lived except for Jesus that's been perfect. And yet God pursues each and every one of us, each and every one of those individuals in the midst of our sinfulness. He doesn't wait for us to get right. He doesn't wait for you to get cleaned up. He doesn't wait for you to figure it all out and start being obedient to him to pursue you. And he went to great lengths to pursue each one of us because he came for us. Every other religion, every other belief system, every other foundational worldview, you have to do something to get to the pinnacle of that religion or that worldview. You have to do something right, a set of things right, but God says, no, you don't have to do anything. I'll do it for you. And he did it in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. He came for us. John chapter one tells us that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and he lived a sinless life, died a criminal's death on a cross so that you and I could know him and see in action this display that God in his very nature is love. So then the two questions that we must, must answer this morning that we have to wrestle with are this. The first question is this, is how have you experienced God is love in your life? How have you personally experienced God being loved? Not, not a story you've heard, not something you've read, but how have you personally experienced that? Uh, for me, it came as a, as a nine-year-old boy. I went to a royal ambassador's camp in Northeast Texas, and, and one night, pastor's preaching, uh, doing a, a kind of a, a chalk drawing up on stage, and he's sharing the gospel as he's doing this chalk drawing, and he, he flips a black light on at the end of it, and the, the drawing he's been doing had totally changed, and it was a depiction uh, of Jesus, uh, a depiction of what, what we think his face looks like. And he used that, that drawing to share the gospel. And, and I was moved by that because what, what I came to realize was that my, my parents loved me, my grandparents loved me, I had loving family all around me, but I realized that night that God loved me more than they ever could. And, and God as love became real in my life that night. And I talked to my, my friend's dad, he was our pastor, one of my best friends, his dad was our pastor at the time. Talked with Dr. Hardage about, about needing forgiveness and confessing my sin and trusting Jesus as my savior and began a walk as a nine-year-old boy of, of becoming more and more like Jesus Christ each day. Some days are better than others. And those of you that have been walking with the Lord for, for a while understand that. Those of you that are new and walking with the Lord understand that as well. But how have you experienced God as love in your life? Paul writes in Romans chapter five, verse eight, God demonstrates his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
So whatever that sin you bring into the room today, whatever that thing it is that you're struggling with, know that God loves you in the middle of that. And know that God desires for nothing more than for you to say, you know what, I need forgiveness from this. I want to walk with you. So maybe the answer to that question is I haven't at all. I've never experienced God as love personally in my life. If that's you today, when we close this service, I'm going to be standing in the atrium. We'd love to talk with you about what it means to trust Jesus as your Savior, to accept what verse 10 says. And this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation, to be the the once and for all sacrifice, the atoning sacrifice for your sin. And maybe you'd like to have a conversation about what it looks like to accept God's sacrificial gift of salvation this morning. For many, if not most of you in the room, you've experienced that at some. You can point back to a time and a place in your life when you've experienced that. And you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So the second question is for you. If that's true for you, then how are you showing God is love to the world around you? Uh, we see some examples in Scripture to show mercy, to help in God's provision for the world, to help sustain those around us, to show kindness even to the ungrateful and the evil. To, to look to our creation, the way that God has created us, and to look to His creation in the world and see God in everything and help point others to God in the world around us and certainly being thankful for God pursuing you and, and me being thankful for God pursuing me and my sinfulness, but applying that same grace and mercy to those around us. To know that there are those around you that are, that are stuck in sin right now. They don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior and God is pursuing them. See, we see three parables in Luke chapter 15 about God's pursuit of us and God's pursuit of those around us in our sinfulness. We see the story of the lost sheep and Jesus uses the example of the shepherd, an example that many of his followers would have been familiar with, would have understood the importance of the shepherd caring for the flock and the hundred sheep and one gets lost. The shepherd doesn't, doesn't say, you know what, I'm okay with the 99, I'm gonna let the one go. The shepherd leaves the 99 and goes to the one and pulls them back into the flock. A perfect depiction of what Jesus Christ did for us when he came into this world and went to the cross. How are we showing that kind of love to one another? Just before the verses we read earlier from 1 John chapter 4 and verse 7, John writes, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. That was his, his reminder, his affirmation to, to, the, to the Christians in this early church that were struggling with this heretical teaching that was happening around them and struggling with understanding were they really saved or not. He said, forget what's being taught. Look at, look at your life. Now, are you loving people the way that God loved you? Are you being in your life, God is loved to those around you the way that God is loved to you? A couple years ago, we, we asked you as a church family to, to begin sharing with us uh, relationships that you're engaged in. We call them transforming relationships. And just this morning, a couple people turned in some cards of folks that they want us to be joining with them and praying on. And that is one way for you to show God is love to someone around you, that you would step out with a, a coworker, a classmate, a family member, a neighbor, somebody that you, you spend time with that God has brought into your path and you would invest in them in a transforming way. For some of you, it's somebody who's not a believer. For others, it's somebody who's a new believer and you're helping them see what it means to grow to be more like Christ. 
For some, it's that they have a need and you're helping provide for them and sustain them. But whatever it is, we want to hear about that. But we want you to know that that is just one way of many that you can show God is love to the world around you. We have random encounters every day, every week with people that we, we, that cross our paths and, and probably sometimes we're guilty. I know I'm guilty of this, of just having the conversation, having the meeting, spending the time with them that we have to and not engaging any further than we want to. But maybe that's an opportunity for you this week to show God his love to somebody around you, to show extra mercy where it's needed or to show kindness or to be a part of someone realizing that they're living in sin and and that God loves them right where they are and he doesn't want to wait on them to be cleaned up, but he loves them right where they are and he desires to know them. So whether the answer to those questions is, is where you want it to be or not, we're going to give you some time in just a minute to respond. Nathan and the band are going to be leading us through a couple songs and you have some time just where you're, where you're sitting right now or standing, you can pray and ask God to, to show you how you've experienced God as love in your life. To show you what it is that you can do to show God as love to someone around you. See, I believe this morning that there's tremendous power in each of us individually as believers. There's tremendous power in, in us collectively as a church family and there's tremendous power and the churches all across this city, this state, and around this world of us as believers, us as Christians, reinforcing what God has already shown to the world. God's mercy is for all. He provides for all. He sustains all. He's kind. He's created us and designed us. He pursues us in our sinfulness. We can join with him in sharing that truth with those around us. I think there's tremendous power in that because two things happen in that. One is we're we're reinforced, we're lifted up, we're encouraged that our salvation is real and genuine and true and everything that we believe it to be because of what Christ did for us. But I think more than that too is the world will see more and more of who God is and what God desires for them as you and I live that out in our lives. And so my challenge to you is to love those around you each and every day. Love those that God brings into your path each and every day. Don't just read about it in his word on a Sunday morning or when you wake up or when you go to sleep. Don't just sing about it on Sunday morning, but live it out each and every day that God is love and that that one of the things that you and I can experience is that reminder and that power of the salvation that he's provided us through his son, Jesus Christ. And so as we come to this time of of worship where we, we, we sing back these praises to him, Think about these two questions. How have you experienced God as love in your life? And how are you showing God as love to those around you?